good morning again. Uh, really like that song. Appreciate the team putting that one together. That kind of reminds me of a modern-day psalm almost, but there's some tough lines in there, right? The, uh, if the wind goes where you sent it, so will I. Did you sing that part? If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. Did you sing that part? Did you mean it? Those are tough ones, right? Um, good to be back with you guys. It was great to be away uh, last weekend. We obviously missed being here, but I want you to know it, um, the team around here, whether it's Joe or Christy back in the kids or Brian and Miriam, the team, uh, everybody around the building, they make it really easy to disappear. It's, it's something that I appreciate more than you know. Uh, there's no stress in walking away from this place for a Sunday, and that's, uh, that's a big deal. We had a chance to get away. Um, I have not seen a living deer in the last week and a half, um, so we, we went hunting last weekend. Um, some people had success. I did not. Uh, I had as little success as you can possibly have while hunting. Um, meanwhile, Joe is texting me from the office telling me about deer running across the field back there <laughs> here on our church property. I'm like, oh, fantastic. I drove three hours away just so my youth pastor could see deer that he doesn't care about out the window. Um, but no, it was great. It's a, a great time of year for us. And, and when it's 60 degrees and sunny, I'll sit in a tree all day long and, and uh, talk to the squirrels and whatever other... Holy Spirit type individuals want to show up and yell at me for a little bit, but, um, but no, it was a good time. But uh, jumping back into our series, uh, Joe did a great job last week kind of keeping that ball rolling, but I want to start just an important thing that I throw out when it comes to young couples who are getting married. From time to time, get a chance to do some pre-marriage counseling with uh, individuals that are getting married. Um, and as we get towards the end, there's always good questions to throw out. That's kind of the main objective, right? Get them talking, get them thinking, get them processing things that they might not otherwise process. Um, and as we get towards the last couple sessions, one thing I like to do is just throw some scrap paper at them and say, all right, separate for a second. And what I want you to do um, is answer the question, what do you want your marriage to be known for? So, so sit across from the table, just you, just you for right now, right? three or four things. What do you want your marriage to be known for? And then bring them back in and we'll discuss it together. And I ask them to discuss it a little bit more on their own. But basically, what do you want people to say about your marriage? Not on day one but on year 50, right? Th think about the couples that you love and the couples that you respect. Right? What, do, what do you say about them? What do other people say about them? How do you want your kids to talk about your family? How do you want your kids' friends? How do you want other families and people in the community to talk about your family? And I say, imagine it's your 50th wedding anniversary and you show up to a party and your kids are there. Lord willing, your grandkids are there. Friends are there. Kids from the youth group you started serving in back in 2022 are all there, gathered around. Shameless plug, because Joe's not here today, right? This could be a big moment for you guys. All these people are gathered around. What are they saying about the marriage that they've observed for the last 40, 50 years? And I say, build your marriage around that picture. Spend your money based on that picture. Make decisions and prioritize your lives based on that picture. Choose your career. Choose your house. Choose the community you want to live in. Choose your car. Arrange your yearly schedule. Arrange the size of your family even around that picture. What you want your marriage and your family to be known for. Why do we have that conversation? Because as you guys know, life comes at you fast. 
There's things that you can't control, pushing and pulling you in opposite directions, things that you do control or you think you control, but you just get caught up in the whirlwind of life, and those things that you think you control, you lose control of them, right? And so all of a sudden, you get busy, and there are job offers you just have a hard time turning down, and kid stuff happens, and you guys know that changes everything, and illnesses happen, celebrations happen, big fights happen, and all of these different things are playing into how you make your decisions And even in the healthiest of marriages, it's easy to lose sight of what that picture is. And you can end up getting everything that you think you want, but nothing that you really want. And that tension has been the crux of the series so far, asking, hey, what do you want? What do you really want? Because on the surface, it's an easy question. But if you dig deeper with it, it becomes a tricky question because we've all had those moments, those seasons in life where we got everything that we wanted, but we ended up with the exact thing that we didn't want. You convinced your way to it. You manipulated your way to it. You bullied your way to it. You bought your way to it. You begged your way to it. You lied to yourself in order to get it. And all the while, you got what you wanted, when you wanted it, the way you wanted it, but ultimately not what you really wanted. And it gets tough. And Joe did a great job last week, and I'd encourage you to go back and listen if you missed it. But it talked about how what we want gets clouded by all kinds of different things. It gets clouded by our flesh. It gets clouded by our sinful nature. And there's this battle between that part of us and the Holy Spirit part of us pulling us in God's direction. But our flesh, it deceives us. It, it wants what it wants. And the flesh is willing to sacrifice the future on the altar of the present. And I love the way Paul puts it in Romans 7. And Joe hit it last week a little bit where Paul, this, this missionary, right, this, this hero of the New Testament, this individual who's like, hey, I was born in faith. I grew up in faith and I had this conversion experience with Jesus and I've committed my life to Jesus. I have my eyes on the prize and I don't understand what I do. What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do it, right? He, he's experiencing this tension that what he thinks he wants in the moment, what his flesh is pulling him towards, is different from what he really wants long term. And there's that struggle. And because this is an ongoing tension, and because this process is important, we've got to take another step in it. Because what we discover is that what you want is very closely tied together with what you value. You guys have probably come across different things, either as individuals or as a part of an organization or a corporation where they have you do some values exercises. There's one famous book, a best-selling book, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's from years ago. But he has one similar to the 50th anniversary thing where he says, hey, picture yourself at a funeral. And it's somber and everybody's dressed in their dark clothes and there's people you recognize and everyone's crying and you make your way to the front and you discover that it's you in the casket. And it's your funeral. And you have to listen to your family talk about what you were like in the family and your coworkers talk about what you were like at work and, and people in the community talking about what you were like out at community events, right? And so he says, think about what you would want people to say at you, say about you at your funeral and then live out what that is, right? So similar. And whether it's that or the Dash poem that we've all heard, that famous one where it's like, there were two dates, but I was thinking about the dash in the middle, live for the dash, right? And it's inspirational. Everybody cries. So whether it's those things or some team values exercise or a sermon on your holy discontent or a premarital counseling anniversary exercise, it's simply all getting you to think about the thinking about life with the end in mind. 
And what we find out is that to discover what you really want, that's been the thing we've been building towards, right? There's this, what we think we want, what we fight for and we battle for, and what we really want. To discover what you really want and experience what you really want, not what you naturally wanted, not what you thought you wanted in the moment and did whatever you had to do to get it, not that urgent thing that you wanted just to get through that difficult season. What you really want, you have to discover what you really value have to discover what's most important. Not the difference between what's important and what's not important, but what's the most important. End of the story type stuff. Funeral eulogy type stuff. 50th wedding anniversary party type stuff. And I, and I want to make a note here, because uh, we do get people who come in, maybe you, somebody invited you, maybe you walked in, you heard there was free coffee, and you're like, I can put up with a lot for free coffee, right? So you, so you wandered in, you're like, I don't care about the Bible, I don't care what Jesus has to say, I don't know who this Paul guy is, and you're like, this doesn't matter. I would even say to you, if you don't care about Christian stuff, this is important stuff to process. But for those of us who would say, yeah, I'm, I'm chasing Jesus, I'm trying to do what he did, and live his life, and, and, and uh, walk in faith, right? For us, there's another step in the process. There's another big question to ask beyond poems, beyond leadership development books. And it's a very important question. It's what does God really value? What does God really want? And here's the thing. When, when, when we do these pre-marriage conversations, I've had a chance to do quite a few of them over the years now. Not one couple, not one has had on their list something like, we want to move up the corporate ladder faster than any other couple in history. Nobody says that, right? Those are things that we all do, things that we all chase, but nobody has that on their list. No one has said, we want to have a combined income that exceeds that of our parents and grandparents. It's not on anybody's list. Nobody says, we want to have the biggest and cutest house in the neighborhood, wherever we end up. Those might be things that we do. Those might be things that we chase. There's nothing wrong with having a cute house. But nobody has that on their list. In fact, the answers, if they use even half of their soul, the answers are usually pretty powerful. And they're profound. And they're moving. Why is that? Why are some of our family values so inspirational? Why do the mission statements of some Fortune 500 companies sound spiritual? It's because these types of exercises not only bring us closer to what we really want, they give us a hint about what we were created for, and they give us a hint about what God really wants. What does God want for us? And that's an important word, that word for, right? Because we assume that it's what does God want from us, right? Now, that's an important part of the conversation. There are aspects of our lives where he might say, hey, I sent the wind on the other side of the earth, and I want you to go. Like there, there are moments where God asks us to sacrifice and move in directions that maybe we wouldn't move and say things we wouldn't necessarily say and, and go and, and impact things where we wouldn't necessarily impact. So there's, there's an aspect of God saying, hey, as a follower of me, here's what I'm asking of you. That's a part of it, but that's only one part of the conversation. We make the incorrect assumption that we have a different agenda than God when it comes to the things that we really Want. Maybe to us, we think that surrendering to God means being unhappy and unfulfilled all our lives. Now, are there difficult seasons? Absolutely. Are there tough sacrifices that he asks us to make? Absolutely. But being unhappy and unfulfilled as a part of walking with Jesus, that's not the God of the Bible. So what does God want for us? Paul hits it in Galatians chapter 5. And he starts off and he says, 
the fruit of the Spirit. Now, in this section, he's, he's once again referencing that tension between the flesh and the Spirit, that conflict that Joe talked about last week. And he says, don't give in to what you think you want, what your fleshly side wants, what your sinful human side wants. Walk in step with the Spirit because that's what God wants from you, right? Walk, allowing his still small voice to, to influence your life and your soul, allowing the truth of his word to penetrate your life and penetrate her. Walk in step with the Spirit. And based on what God wants for you, that's going to be the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is if God had his way and his way took precedence over any amount of free will that you choose to exercise. This is if God got what he really wanted. This is what your life would look like. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what he wants for you. And you're saying, wait, love, joy, and peace. What about that F-150 that just rolled off the line? Yeah. That's kind of what I want. I'm willing to spend some money for that. I'm willing to work an extra job for that. Patience, I'm waiting for my she shed. I've been waiting a long time for that thing to get done. Like, patience. Here's the thing. Forget the rest of the list. Just the first three, love, joy, and peace. Those three things would solve most of your problems. These are the things that God values. These are the things that he wants for you. These are the things that not only God values, but if you look deep down, if you did one of those silly but powerful values exercises, these are the things that you really want. I want to go through that list again of those, the, the fruit of the Spirit and just read each one and just give a couple sentences on each one. And what I want you to do is as you hear each one, just kind of have a moment of reflection a little bit. And Okay, where am I at with this one? Is this one... A reflection of my, is this something that I see as a part of my daily life, right? Is this something that I'm living out? I don't know if you, you can give yourself a 1 to 10 scale or a 1 to 5 scale or however you want to do it. Um, love. Love is not a feeling, but a choice. It's the choice to be kind, to sacrifice, to consider others' needs as greater than your own. How are you doing with love? It's what God really wants. I think it's what you really want. Joy. Joy is the natural reaction to the work of God, whether it's promised or already fulfilled. We choose whether to value God's presence, His promises, and His work in our lives and when we yield to the Spirit, He opens our eyes to God's grace around us and fills us with joy. It is only fellowship with God that can make our joy complete. Peace. I know I'm not giving you a ton of time, so come back to these. Galatians 5.22, peace. We are called to experience God's presence, and we're called to be confident in that presence. A spirit-filled Christian has peace that is abundant and available in every situation and that is unlike anything that the world has to offer. The alternative to being filled with peace is to be filled with alarm, filled with doubt, or filled with fear. That's peace. 
patience. A patient person is able to endure much pain and suffering without complaining. A patient person is slow to anger as he waits for God to provide comfort and justice in God's way and in God's timing. How about kindness? Kindness is a posture of tender concern and uprightness. It's kindness of heart and kindness of act. When we exhibit the kindness of God, we are tender, benevolent, and useful to others. Every action and every word will have a flavor of grace in it. That's kindness. Goodness. This virtue, this is virtue and holiness in action. Actions that are motivated by righteousness and a desire to be a blessing. This is living life and doing things for the benefit of others, not simply for the sake of having good morals. Three more. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is believing that God is who he says he is and continuing in that belief despite the ups and downs of life. We trust his plan. We trust his will for our lives. And we trust that our situation on earth is nothing compared to our future reward in heaven. about gentleness? Gentleness does not mean weakness. Rather, it involves humility and thankfulness toward God and polite, restrained behavior toward others. The opposites of gentleness are anger, a desire for revenge, and self-promotion. And then finally, self-control. Self-control is the ability to control yourself. It involves moderation, constraint, and the ability to say no to our natural desires, addictions, Endless. Here's the thing. We know that these things don't come naturally. Those are things that are being pulled. That's God pulling us in that direction as opposed to the way our sinful nature wants to pull us. Galatians 5.25, that couple verses down, says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Whose Spirit? It's God's Spirit. It's like Jesus saying in the Gospels, Come, follow me. And they're saying, Follow you to where? Well, follow me to patience. Follow me to kindness and self-control and gentleness. Yeah, but when I get there, will I accomplish what I want to accomplish? Will I be able to go where I want to go? Will I experience what I want to experience in life? And he's saying, yeah, and actually more. Kindness doesn't impede progress. Self-control doesn't get in the way of accomplishment. We have to put to rest a huge misunderstanding of following Jesus. Experiencing what God wants in your life doesn't mean sitting under a tree listening to a Renaissance era white guy with feathery blonde hair recite poetry. That's not following Jesus. A movement like that doesn't last 2,000 years. He's saying, take this stuff that I've given you and input that into your life. Input this stuff into your marriage, into your office culture, into your school district, into anywhere. Are you telling me that this wouldn't transform what you're experiencing? Are you telling me that this isn't what you really want? Because I bet that it is. Christian or not, I know that you value the things we just read about. You know how I know? Because I know that you want the people around you to be characterized by these things, don't you? I know that someday you want to meet and marry someone who embodies gentleness and self-control and faithfulness. And I know that you want your child to grow up and meet a future spouse who embodies these things that God really values and God really wants. 
you really want that too. That's what you really value. And what we start to see as we bring some of these things together, as we pay attention to them, right? Because if we really value these things, then we need to pay attention to these things because they start to reveal what it is that we really want, the end of the story type stuff. And what you start to see is that what you want and what God really wants are much closer together than you would have thought. And so I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, keep digging on some of this. Go home and do whatever silly values exercise you can find on Google or any book or anything like that, starting with the end in mind. And as you dig, I'm confident that you're going to come face to face with things like meaning and significance and purpose and legacy. And I'm also confident that those things will ultimately lead you closer and closer to God's will for you, God's will for your family, God's will for things like your investments, for your priorities, for your life on this planet, and for your soul. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we just thank you for these reminders. God, it's the age-old struggle to figure out what you want from us. What, what is it that you're calling us to? What, what life do you want us to lead? What are the things that you want us to embody? And yet, God, you've spelled it out so clearly what you want for us, what we want for ourselves is to live lives of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness, goodness and self-control, all these things, God, that you've laid out. Help us to see that in you and then, God, fill us with that yourself. Let us live that out. And as we pursue those things, God, reveal to us the path. Make it straight for us. And may it bring glory to you always. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you next week.